What is up, everybody? Welcome to VR Roundtable. This is our final episode forever. Nah, just kidding. We are definitely going to be back at some point in either late September or early October. But we did want to get another episode out there for you guys as we head into summer. And this is going to be a pretty interesting episode because guess what? News? None of it. We really don't have news this week. It is incredibly boring. One of the worst news weeks we've seen in quite some time. But you know what? The upshot on this thing is that we can get into some deeper topics, especially since we're going to go on a little bit of a hiatus. It's a great opportunity to get into some of these deeper topics. For example, the state of VR. Where are we right now? Do we have a legitimate 2.0 VR headset? And if not, what is a legitimate 2.0 VR headset? Another thing we're going to talk about is during our hiatus, what do what games, what things are we, are we going to be doing during these couple of months that we're taking a break here? So we'll get into some of the things that we're looking forward to, games that are expected to come down the pipe in the coming weeks and the next couple of months. So we're going to look at that. But you know what? We're going to start off with games. Well, actually, game, uh, singular, not plural. And we're going to start off with Spider-Man Far From Home. And Gary and Steve have both checked out this game. But actually, wait, before we get into that, let me just go ahead and see how everybody is doing. Chris, what is up? There is somebody that is underneath those covers. Are you aware of that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good, doing good. Just with family for the 4th of July weekend and everything. Uh, so it's good to be here on the this show, the, the final show, <laughs> in quotes, for podcast listeners. All right. And uh, Gary, uh, looks like you got a fresh new haircut. How you doing? Yeah, no, I, I basically just because I went out earlier today, so I've put a bit of gel in. I don't look quite so gray as I usually do when I put gel in. So it's always a little bit of a bonus. Um, yeah, it's pretty good this week. It's it's still warm over here in the UK. Uh, it makes it a little bit difficult to play some VR, but I've got a fan over there uh, just behind me and I use that. So I've been playing a lot of Elite this past week and just having the fan on me constantly is, is a good thing. So uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good over here. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people use fans as like a motion sickness extra preventive measure. And, um, you know, if you have some air blowing on your face, there's something about that which works well as well. I mean, I know you've got your VRC legs, but other people. Um, Steve, how are you doing? I am good. I also put gel in my hair. I don't know if you guys can <laughs> tell. Um, you know, it just wouldn't look the same if I didn't gel it up. The uh, holiday week, so 4th of July, uh, we had family in from out of town. So a lot of, uh, you know, grilling, some some beer, you know, the typical American 4th of July cookout holiday. Um, so we've had a good time. Went and checked out the new Spider-Man movie, which kind of makes it apropos for talking about this experience that we're going to talk about here shortly. So it has been a good week. And uh, let's 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 get it going. All right. Well, why why don't we go ahead and start things off with Spider-Man: Far From Home? This, of course, is a movie tie-in experience. Sony Pictures Virtual Reality. They've done a number of these things. In fact, um, they did the Ghostbusters thing that everybody hated. Uh, they did that previous Spider-Man thing where you were kind of on the rooftop of a building wasn't too bad. It was very basic. And everybody that experienced that wanted to swing around 
Manhattan, you know, swing around New York. That's what everybody wanted from that experience. They didn't get that. And now that's what they've brought to the table here. It is kind of a basic experience, but why don't we go ahead and break it on down? So, Gary, I believe you were able to try this out. What were your thoughts? Uh, not that positive. I mean, going into this, my expectations were tempered anyway, because when we tried the last uh, Spider-Man experience uh, for the first movie, that was um, obviously it, it was so limited. It was OK for what it was. And some people enjoyed it, but it was very short. It was very limited. You didn't have the what you wanted to do in VR in, is being Spider-Man, where you wanted to fly around the city just as you were getting into that part of it. The experience ended. And this sort of picks up from that in some ways. So you can now fly around the city. You can sort of web sling between these buildings. And I suppose they've, they've tried to appease the fans in some ways. It's, you can tell it feels really low budget. It doesn't feel that great. And my main complaint is that. It just doesn't feel like I want it to feel like Winlands. Winlands did such a great job on that mechanic, that swing, swinging mechanic. And I just wish they'd, they'd sort of uh, maybe contacted those devs uh, in order to create this kind of experience because I think it would be overall better. It's a little bit longer um, than the original from what I remember, but it's still very short. It's probably took me about maybe 20 minutes to go through. You go through like a brief tutorial where it takes you through a, uh, what your very limited mechanics with this. Um, and then you get into like story mode. It's called story mode and you play through a very brief story um, where you're swinging through the city and then you encounter this giant robot and basically that's it really you need to take this robot down um but yeah i, I i've got to say it, it didn't impress me it didn't feel good it didn't look good there's not a lot of positive i can say about it i suppose the positive is it's free and you can try it out and see what you think really Okay, okay. Um, Gary, do you remember there was a fan-made Spider-Man thing that was out there for a little while? I think it got taken down, but it was just basically it was just kind of like a very low-poly, basic kind of Manhattan-looking area, and you were just kind of swinging around. Did you ever try that? I, I did, yeah. I think it was available uh, as a download um, for a while, and I did briefly try that. And from memory, it was a long time ago when I tried that, but from memory, that felt a lot better than this did um, as Ooh, well. Ouch. Um, it, it, the, the physics just don't feel right in this. It just doesn't feel good to swing through the city, and that's the main attraction of it, um, at least in my opinion. You know, maybe other people feel a little bit differently about this, but um, the good thing is, because it is free, everybody can try it and see what they think. Uh, but yeah. Did you? Did you ever play the uh, Spider-Man that came out on PlayStation 4 from Insomniac not too far back? I didn't know. I know. I know. Steve did. Um, Steve played that quite a bit, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't know. I wouldn't okay. say quite a bit, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, no. The reason I say that, Steve, is that, that, that you, it reminded me because something popped up. Maybe it was your son or something playing on your account, That's and what something it is. popped up on my PlayStation the other day saying that we were playing it. <laughs> yep. Okay. No, yeah, my, Steve. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. So, so this, um, I look. It's it's a free promo for the new movie. So um, my expectations weren't particularly high to begin with, but um, if everyone played the Spider-Man Homecoming um, thing that they gave away free two years ago or, or however long it's been, this, I think, is better than that. Now, ironically, the fidelity in terms of uh, the detail and the textures and, and all that, it's a step down, um, but 
unlike that sort of locked uh, in place experience, this one actually does let you traverse and and fling webs and swing for in the streets like Spider-Man. Um, it, it to Gary's point, it's not it it doesn't feel as well as Winlands. But for a free movie tie-in experience and to be in the Spider-Man skin, I think it does it good enough and within within the expectation of of you know what one should expect from a free promotional movie tie-in giveaway experience. So I kind of enjoyed it. Um, you know, I didn't hate my time with it. Uh, in the index, it's a little clunky, so it, it hasn't been given any fine-tuned index support in terms of the knuckles controllers. So when you're standing there flinging your webs, your hands are all contorted weird at weird angles and stuff. So it's a little immersion breaking if you're using the index, but or the index controllers specifically. Um, but it's it's not it's not bad. It's free. Everyone should check it out. Um, you do feel a little bit like Spider-Man. The swinging does work. It, it doesn't have, I guess in my mind, it doesn't have to be as good as Winland's to to kind of give you that that swinging high velocity um, uh, sort of sensation. So. It's, it's not that bad. Again, again, it's a free game. If it was five bucks, I don't know if I'd recommend it. I also say children. So my son, uh, we went to see the new Spider-Man movie this weekend. He's been playing, as Carrie pointed out, he's been playing uh, through the, the Insomniac PlayStation 4 game for a second run through now. Uh, he's going to 100% it. So kid, my he wants to play this this VR experience every day. He wakes up and he's like, hey, daddy, can I can I do the, the Spider-Man VR? And it's like, okay. So he'll come up here uh, and he has for like the last four or five days and he's played it for about 30 minutes and i don't know what he's doing because it's not much of a story to it you do have this boss battle kind of thing uh, but i think there's some time trials where you you have to uh swing through the city and hit little checkpoints to kind of keep the time trial going extend your time um so there's that kind of stuff so he's having a good time with it so it's free uh if you got kids let them check it out it's pretty good and, and yeah, man in that perspective this just makes me want Insomniac to to make a full Spider-Man VR game because I, I know their Spider-Man you know regular flat game is fantastic. Everybody says, and I've seen gameplay of it. It looks really good. Like, I can can't imagine them doing all their VR expertise with Spider-Man. Would be super cool. But hey, it's good to hear that it sucked less than the last one because I hated that. The last one was terrible. Yeah, just as it was getting good, it ends. And I, the last one again, the the last one had some decent looking fidelity to it like the texture of the suit and 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 some of the non-swinging mechanics that they did let you have they they were deeper and and more polished so if you could combine the last one and this one together it would make a pretty good uh, experience you know chris just brought up insomniac and that's a good question like it makes almost too much sense that you can't like it it's like what's going on here because sony right they have the rights to Spider-Man that they got from Marvel a long time ago. And, and I know it's like they kind of like are like sharing Spider-Man in a way. And I'm not really a Marvel guy, so I don't know all about it. But I've heard heard about this stuff, right? So they Sony's always had Spider-Man. And Insomniac made the Spider-Man game for the PlayStation 4. And Spider-Man in VR seems like such a no-brainer. Insomniac has done like five VR games already, or or maybe uh, Stormland is the fifth game or something like that. I know they've done like four or five already of uh, VR games. I'm wondering, though, because um, Insomniac has not put a VR game on PlayStation. 
And Insomniac and Sony have such a good relationship, it's kind of interesting that they've done all these VR games, but none have ever, um, none have made it over to PlayStation or like a, a brand new IP that they've created for PlayStation for VR. That hasn't happened either. Uh, Steve, do you think it's possible that maybe Oculus has some kind of like exclusive agreement with Somniac for any VR games for a particular period of time have to be on Oculus? I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there. Anything's possible, maybe. Uh, I, I, I would be pure speculation, and I've not heard any, um, any, any rumors to to substantiate that. But um, it is interesting. But at the same time, you know, I imagine they they feel like um, that with the market being small and with the the hardware being considerably lower power that that they maybe uh, can't do it justice the way they want to and and on PC it's kind of out there enough to the side that it doesn't it doesn't sort of interfere with their bread and butter which is sort of their PlayStation fan base and and, and the content that they make so um it, I, it's kind of uh, th- but this the Spider-Man experience here that we're talking about though it is available on PlayStation which uh, until I saw this trailer I wasn't aware like I felt it felt like just this kind of throwaway Steam download uh, so, so to see that it's on PlayStation is is pretty good yeah okay and um, you know speaking of this Spider-Man Far From Home experience it was actually in the news like a day or so ago where Sony Pictures Virtual Reality was saying that they're considering an Oculus Quest version of this experience, but that kind of sounds like they haven't started it yet, and it would take a while, you know, so you figure maybe by the fall they could have that on Quest potentially as an experience that people could try. That would be kind of cool. They also mentioned possibly uh, Valve Index support for the Valve Index controllers. And Gary, you know, Steve, and I think you as well, you guys are both talking about Winlands, and if it had the Winlands mechanics, that would be a better thing. My only question is, is like, well, thinking back to all the different Spider-Man games that have been on console, I can't remember which one felt the best to me, but I know... Like the the mechanic of shooting your web out and flicking yourself and letting go, like it was kind of like a multi-step process. And when I think of Winlands, like I love Winlands. It's fun. It's exhilarating. But it it's almost too easy, I think, for Spider-Man. Like I would almost think you would need to have a bit more of an intricate kind of a sling mechanic kind of thing. But I don't know. Maybe that would make it more complicated. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I. You know, I, all I wanted from this is for it to feel good, <laughs> and Windlands feels good, and that's really where I was coming from. Um, I don't know, yeah, it could be that they need to make certain things a little bit more difficult in order to create some kind of challenge from it or something like that. But, um, yeah, all I was saying was that Windlands feels good, this doesn't feel good. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on down the road. So, Um, Both Gary and Steve, on our last episode, they were talking about the Valve Index, but they just got it. I mean, they only had it for a couple of days, and, you know, so many things are swirling through your head when you just grab something, and you've only had a a brief amount of time with it. Now they can look back on, like, an entire week or so. They've had a little bit more time. They've been able to relax with it, try more more games, get some uh, more feelings about the hardware, And so why don't we go ahead and talk to them a little bit about have their impressions on the Valve Index changed at all? Do they feel the same way? All these sorts of things. Also, 
um, for me and Chris, we can kind of talk about what we've heard throughout the community, what people are talking about, and what seems to be the vibe of the Valve Index. But why don't I shoot it over to Steve first? Steve, um, I know you're pretty positive on the Valve Index overall, but my question for you is, is there an Achilles heel to this product? And what would you say is the number one bugaboo about it? Um, well, the Achilles heel, it, for me personally, it may not bother people the same way, is is still the glare. Um, and I think that's the answer I gave last week. I hope it is for sake of consistency. Um, but the, the glare for me is probably the biggest problem. The second issue running very close um, is, is the knuckles support. There are still some binding issues, some clunkiness. Um, you know, some stuff like that going on. But the thing with, and reason why for me, the knuckle support is second to glare is that's all fixable in software. I think as time passes, that'll get dialed in. There is no software update they can do to make the glare go away. I don't think uh, it would be magic if it was. So um, that's the Achilles heel for me about the, the, the knuckles uh, to kind of give an example. So Skyrim, Skyrim was a game I've held off playing uh you know i played it for a few hours when it first came out and i and i check it out here and there uh but when i got the pimax back early here in 2019 uh i had wrapped up fallout last year and i said i want to wait on skyrim until i get good controllers because i don't want to use the vive wands well now that the knuckles are here i want to play skyrim but um, there's still problems. The bindings aren't right. So there are community bindings available. You go into Steam, you can choose different bindings that people have made, but there are still bugs. Like, for example, if you use some of the bindings, uh, but then you bring up the Steam VR menu while playing Skyrim to, to do whatever you would do in, in the Steam VR menu, when you go back into the game, the A button won't register anymore. So someone in the community created a mod that you can do to keep the A button going, but then you have to tie up a binding to the touch. It's it's just all sort of complicated, and it's very interesting. I get that Valve wouldn't have um, taken the resource to create bindings for every game out there, but I would think that they could have taken the resources to make sure that there were functioning bindings and no bugaboos with games like fallout skyrim you know the the big the big hitters like make sure those are all working and and a flawless experience so instead people have reached out to valve to steam support and have said hey i can't play skyrim right with the knuckles controllers and and support is responding with with kind of copy and paste phrases that, that basically, well, that's an issue with Skyrim and Bethesda. It's not our fault. Like, and they're just kind of leaving it like that. And and it's like, no, the game works with the Vive wands. You may not like it because of touchpads and all that, but like, it's it's just little things like that 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 kind of make me scratch my head. Like, why wouldn't they make sure Fallout and Skyrim and 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 um. Uh, drawn a blank, but there's several several kind of core, I don't know, 20, 25 titles at least that should be near flawless with the knuckles, and they didn't do that. Um, so, yeah, that is very like I would have never anticipated that. Like of all the things I might be worried about with the Valve Index, I would have thought like I would have just assumed Valve because they control Steam and. They have the backbone of Steam and, and everything that's going on there. I thought they would come up with, like, I thought they would have an automated system that would just adapt basically every game out there to the index controllers. And and I assume that, 
you know, some of the automated system wouldn't work necessarily perfectly. And then that's where you'd have to get into more dialed in bindings and stuff. But you would think, and like you said, you know, why wouldn't they take like the 50 most popular Steam VR games and they know which ones those are and make sure that at least like the most popular VR games out there work butter smooth with the index. It's crazy because I'm hearing people like, yeah, I went into this game. I can't seem to play it. So I'm just not going to play that game until they figure it out. And it's like, wow, you just got a brand new, incredible VR headset and you literally can't play certain games right now and you're waiting. It seems weird. Um, Gary, what about you? Was this a situation that kind of puzzled you uh, in, in games that you've tried? Yeah, so I was one of these people that did install that mod for Skyrim because I had that Ableton issue with Skyrim anyway. And the fact is, so the, the when you look into this and the fact that it, the game needs a mod in order to operate correctly, then that is beyond Val's... Uh, you know, they can't force a mod into a game in order to get this functionality. But like you, it's just a weird thing for them to do that. It's like, it's beyond a binding issue. This is the, this is the thing with the index controllers. So like with Google Earth VR, you can't, you can, that operates okay with the, uh, the index controllers, but you can't fly faster, um, by pressing the trigger down as you can on the Vive ones and with the Oculus Touch controllers. And, that's just, it's beyond a binding issue. No matter what you do, you can't make that work. It just won't work in Google Earth. So that is another one that would really need a mod and it needs some kind of the developers really to go in and, and tune it in to work with the index controllers. Um, it's frustrating. I've got to say it's one of the most frustrating things for me more than glare. This is a, a really weird situation that they've got here at the moment. One thing with the Knuckles controllers I would love to get into and just get everybody's impressions on this as well is the originally when, when Gabe Newell was talking about the Knuckles controllers, he was saying about how he envied Nintendo, for example, how they have the ability to uh, develop hardware and software in tandem to work together. And probably the best example of this is something like Nintendo 64, Mario 64, where the Nintendo 64 controller was really made as a Mario 64 controller. That's really where that came from. That was designed around that game. But the important part Part of that is that it also had backwards compatibility to anybody that wanted to develop a standard D-pad game with four buttons or six buttons. They could do that and it would work perfectly. With the Knuckles, what we're seeing at the moment is not that case. And that's why it's a little bit, little bit frustrating. Um, so while I think they've got the right idea about the Knuckles controllers, their execution of it is really left wanting at the moment. And I do struggle to see a way for them to force developers to get everything working perfectly with the index controllers. And, you know, the the strategy behind this whole headset is confusing to a lot of people I know because when you've got these controllers, which are a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche, how how do developers really assign resources in order to get um the the full support in their game that we all want when there is so few people that really have this device anyway? Yeah, is that... how does it? Oh, I was ahead, gonna go say, ahead. how does it work with like? Um, does it emulate touch controllers or does it emulate like a Vive wand, like in a game that doesn't let's say doesn't have any index support? Because I think. It... 
Oh, you go ahead. No, no, just quickly on that point, Chris. I'll pass yeah. it back to you. But yeah, it tries to do both. It tries to emulate Vive ones, but it also tries to emulate touch controllers. And this is part of the conflict, I, I think. Yeah, because I, I get that they can't just be like, okay, it's a touch controller. <laughs> and then like, I mean, the, all the bindings would make so much sense if they just emulated touch controllers, but that's like an Oculus controller. That'd be weird. So I'm sure they try to do this weird convoluted thing where it's like a Vive one that... Uh, it's it's hard. It's difficult. Like it, it sucks that it can't just be like I want to have this emulate a touch controller always, and then like you know that should fix a lot if if it ended up doing that. So you can go into you, when you go in and create the bindings, uh, and I'm no expert in it at this point, but you can you can basically say okay when I click the touchpad because it's a button or it can be seen as a button you can then map it just like you would bind a complicated uh, sim game um, on a pc you can say when i push this button you give it the function of another button so if i want the touchpad to function as grip i can make it do it the, pr the problem then becomes a that's work you have to go through that for each game and kind of custom create um Maybe there's a global. I'm not sure. Um, but then there's the that issue, like what I mentioned with Skyrim. Like even though you go through and you get bindings and everything's working well, you can you can be content with it. Skyrim, in my opinion, becomes very much playable. There's these these other glitches, like you know when you go into the Steam menu and then the A button doesn't respond until you you know reboot everything. Um, so it, it's 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 those things. So I think the core functionality is there. And, and kind of going back to my previous comment about the Achilles heel, I think all of this is fixable. It's weird and bizarre that it isn't correct out of the gate, given how long we know these Knuckles controllers were in development. Um, but I think it's all fixable. Uh, but at the same time, um, I know Valve isn't particularly fast, so I don't I don't know I don't feel like that there's going to be a big patch next week or the week after even that's going to kind of make all this stuff go away. We could be sitting here when we come back from our hiatus and and some patch just just having had rolled out that addresses some of these types of bugs. Do you, you think? think go, go ahead, ahead go ahead, Gary. Uh, well, <laughs> I was just—I was just going to say, like, um, just going back to my uh, point about like uh, how Gabe was talking about Nintendo and saying he wanted to create software and hardware in tandem. If they do release a game which is forthcoming, you know, within the next year, I think they've pretty much confirmed that a game will be released uh, that they've been developing later on this year, and it utilizes these controllers with. Like in ways we can't even imagine at the moment, they've tried to do their best in order to make them backwards compatible and work with uh, all of the titles that are out there at the moment. And it's left wanting. We are left wanting in that functionality. But if they come out with, say, Half-Life, I mean, you know, who knows? <laughs> Half-Life VR, Half-Life 3, whatever. And they've they've made this controller work so perfectly with that game that we get a whole new perspective on what this controller can do. Would that ma even make the difference at this point? Would would we then see an influx of developers then updating their games? Has anybody got any thoughts on that at all? I think it would have been better, <clears throat> like if they had launched with that, if they had launched with that killer game, like that Mario 64 that you're talking about, Gary, then everybody would be playing that game and everybody would be ranting and raving about how amazing it is with these new controllers. And then the dialogue would be like, well, yeah, a lot of the older games don't work, but, you know, they'll be patched. We can see, you know, Valve's proven that this is the way forward and all new games are going to be use utilizing it. I think a lot of people would forgive that a lot more. But, you know, another point I was going to bring up real quick was like 
Valve can say that that's Bethesda's problem or that's Servios's problem or Vertigo games or whatever when when like a certain game doesn't work right. But one of the things I'll mention is like I've noticed that a lot of people are willing to buy a product, use it for a couple of days and then return it um, if it doesn't work out the way, you know, and we've got a more demanding customer base out there now, I think. I think people are just more demanding in general. They want things to work. They don't want to fiddle with a million things. And so like Valve can say, you know, hey, we're doing this fine and and we feel good about what we're doing, but they're going to get a lot of extra returns and that's going to hit them. You know, when someone returns a a brand new headset like this, that's got to be a very unfortunate thing for Valve. For example, I know a guy, he got a, a Valve Index and um, couldn't deal with the glare, and he already got rid of it. He was going to return it, but he ended up selling it on eBay and actually made a nice little profit out of it. But that's beside the point. you know. He was going to return it, and uh, I think Valve needs to do a little better job here. For sure. I think um, so. A lot of people, I'll, I'll kind of use that as a point because I, I get asked almost daily, where do I stand on the Valve Index versus my Pimax? And um, it's sheepish and a cop-out. I don't have an answer yet. I want to choose the index because I just want to choose it. Um, But I'm being irrational. Um, I did go into the Pimax this week after not playing it pretty much all last week. And I went into Skyrim and I went back and forth between the index and Pimax like three times. It's kind of a pain to do that, by the way. Um, And... I didn't use the knuckles. I kept the knuckles compared to the index and I used the wands. Uh, I was, so I was just really, I was, wasn't taking in the whole controller, all that kind of stuff. I was just really taking in the visuals. And I have to say, I was surprised I've had, now it could be Skyrim specific. So I want to caveat what I'm about to say as being, it could be Skyrim specific, even though I turned off dynamic resolution within the Skyrim VR. But I had to turn the super sampling on the index. This is with both headsets set to 90 hertz. I had to turn the super sampling on the index to 1.7 or 170% to get the sharpness that I got in my Pimax. I did not feel that when I initially played with the index. Um, On paper, the index, the Pimax, and the Rift S should look very comparable. Similar resolutions across the Fove. You know, different foes, of course, but similar densities, I should say. Both or all three are LCDs. Yet, for whatever reasons, in my experience, and I really focus on sharpness and acuity, the Rift S seems to edge out the Pimax, which seems to edge out the index. So, again, I'll caveat that by saying uh, I needed to do more tests with it and determine if it's just something Skyrim specific that's causing it. Um, but uh, just another thing, like, you know, we talked about the FOV last week. I found that sort of surprising. Um, so so with that, if, if this holds true and with the glare in mind, I like the Pimax visual experience better. But I'm so, you know, here I am sitting here and I'm wanting to go index because for some reason I feel more secure about the index compared to Pimax as a company. Yet I have a fully functioning Pimax. Pimax has stood behind the warranty issue that I had. They shipped me a new headset. And then 
conversely to that, I have Valve and their support. So we can lead into a, to a topic on, and on Valve support so far on the index. And they're basically telling people, oh, oh no, the thumbsticks were designed that way. So it seems like, you know, we're so worried about Pimax support in one hand, but we have Valve right here. They have an opportunity to show fantastic support and, and address this issue. And they're kind of being a little squirmy wormy about it so um what do you think about you know um i think we had that on the list talk about support so the answer i don't know if i'm getting rid of the pimax or the index yet um but uh, i i am at this point maybe leaning pimax but i want to choose the index it's so weird that i go through these struggles um but um let's talk about support uh gary i think you put something down or anthony you want to lead it yeah, but Steve, real quick before we touch that, I just want to ask you, like you, so a Valve Index is about eleven hundred dollars, roughly. I mean, it depends if you had to pay tax or whatever, and and you didn't obviously you you had lighthouses, so you're good there. But I mean, it still costs a lot of money. Aren't you a bit disappointed that it's even a question that like you're it's like you're even questioning? Like I thought for sure when the Valve Index came out that your Pimax would be yesterday's news and it wouldn't even be in the equation. Well, it's kind of what I thought, and it's it's still what I want to be the case. But it's the glare. For first first problem is the glare. Like I ha- I can't stress that I have essentially no glare in the Pimax. It is is comparable to the Rift S. So no God rays, no glare. So I'm putting up with less fove, more glare. And now even the resolution isn't king. Now, I think the colors are probably a little better on the index. The blacks uh, are, you know, of course, they're not OLED good, but they're a little better maybe than the Pimax. So it, it, it's not a, a win-loss for the Pimax in, in every category. But in the big things, like, um, you know, it's 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 interesting. I, I'm being irrational. If, if, if I throw all opinions and emotions out of the equation and purely approach the, the experience rationally, it's the Pimax. But I'm wanting to choose the index because for some reason, deep down Because you spent a lot of money recently. That's why. <laughs> well, may, maybe. But you know what? Like you said, um, is what led me to say all this is that that I, I looked on eBay. I can toss just the HMD up on eBay and, and turn a profit. So I, is that the issue? I mean, that's work. I got to deal with eBay and all that. But I, I do that semi-normally anyway. So anyways, I don't want to tie it up, keep talking about this. Yeah. But just kind of wanted to throw my experience out there. Okay, so if we're going to talk about support real quick, um, I'll go to Gary first. Gary, did you, like, Valve has had products, physical products before, like, they've had products, but this is a different animal altogether, and this was one of these, like, unanswered questions that we'd wonder about, because we we complained about HTC Vive having, like, the worst support ever in history. Oculus has been pretty good. I mean, some people will have a horror story here or there, but for every horror story, there's also some really good stories as well. Um, what, what were you thinking about Valve in this category um, before it all started, and, and what do you think now as far as the support? You know, it's funny because when whenever I get excited about a VR headset, I just think about specs and getting that headset. I honestly really don't concentrate on support, and I know I should. I know it's an important question, um, but I've had very good um, because people have horror stories about HTC, for example. I had a very good experience with HTC. Um, some people have good experiences with Pimax. Some people don't. And, and this kind of stuff. And it never really entered the equation, but seeing their response to this, the dismissive response of the Knuckles controllers and the problem that it does have on the thumbstick, it's a legitimate problem. 
and no matter how they duck out of that situation, I think it's easy to see from anybody that knows what they're what they're talking about that this is just a a faux pas. This is a legitimate problem with the with the controllers, and it might not be an important problem. It might not be an important problem for a lot of people or for a lot of games or anything like that. But I think the acknowledgement that it is a problem is something they should have done anyway. But with that comes then legal obligations for them to resolve this problem. So that's why they're shying away, I would suppose, uh, with this. Um, but yeah, so the thumbstick issue is you can't click it down when it's in sort of extremities, depending on which controller you're using. And it is an issue. But what they're saying is with some of these support tickets that have been raised, and I raised my own support ticket, just, you know, I thought I've got to get in there just in case they do send out uh, replacements for these controllers. I want to raise a ticket in order to get in line to get a new version of these controllers. So I did that and I got a response today, actually. And it was the same one. (laughs) This guy is becoming sort of infamous on the R subreddit now, Dillinger. Um, He responded to me. Um, and he, he just said the standard response that is being sent to everybody, really. Um, just saying that it's sort of normal usage and it's not a problem. If you're having problems in any specific games, then reply and update them. Um, so, and I'm not having any problems in any specific games. That's the thing. I just know it's a problem with the hardware, but it's really not affecting my experience so far. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult position to be in as a consumer, but also for Valve. And the route that I would love them to take is to make a, you know, just take the loss, ship us out, refine versions of all of these controllers, put this to bed, and then we'll be on our way. Yeah, I mean, you know the problem with that, though? I think we're having a problem with Chris. Like, his feed might have crapped out real quick. So, hopefully, we'll get him back here in just a second. But, Gary, I think, like, I did a show when when this, uh, I think it was, like, on Twitch or something, one of my VR365 shows, where when this Knuckles thing first came to light, you know, with the controller button and all that, um, I did a show, and it was, like, Uh, you know, Valve's major kerfuffle or whatever, you know, joking around, right? But I got into it and I was talking about how this is like a super major problem because if Valve, like if they really admitted that this is a straight up manufacturer defect, then they're responsible for every single one of these that they've shipped out. They got to ship people new ones and then they got to like what they hope everybody ships the old one back first. And th- I mean, it, it's a disaster. It's chaos. Right. And so for them, I guess the best way out of it is to try to like act like it's not even a problem and then quietly go in the background and start fixing that controller. So at least by like January of next year, maybe the knuckles that are going out are fixed at that point, but never publicly acknowledge it because then it's a a crazy problem. Um, Chris, uh, what do you think about like support? I mean, have you had problems with any of the headsets that you've used so far where you had to lean on on some support? It it may just go live at any point. Okay. We should be back. It looks like. All right. Yeah, I think we're back. <laughs> All right, go ahead and go, Anthony. Let's pick up where okay, we were. Okay, guys, uh, we're back. Sorry, we had a little bit of technical issues right there. Okay, so when we were interrupted, um, basically I was asking Chris this question. So, Chris, you've owned a lot of VR headsets since this whole VR thing has started. Have you had problems where you had to turn to support? And nice what stuff. do you think – like, what do you think um, – 
What what's a company's responsibility here? Like, is Valve dropping the ball? Are they playing this the right way? Because otherwise, it'd be just a totally unmitigated disaster if they admitted they had a major controller problem. Like, what? How do you uh, absorb this situation that's unfolding? It's really hard because. I mean, like you said, like if they say there's a major problem, then suddenly that's going to be news headlines everywhere. Everyone's going to be freaking out. Like, I mean, Valve's a really big name company. You know, it's it, that'd be like they're they're just the the company for PC games. So like, if if it's like Valve screws up controller defect, like I feel like that would be really bad for them. Um, I tried to deal with HTC support once, but I kind of gave up. Like I was trying to get one of my uh, you know touchpads fixed or whatever, and they they like logged into my computer and were like screwing around with some software and like looks fine to me, <laughs> and that was that was my support experience. I'm like, well, it's not, <laughs> so whatever. Um, so yeah, HTC was the the bad support thing I had there, but I I usually don't you know like Gary, I don't look at it too much, I don't care too much because usually the product's fine and you're okay, but I guess it's when the problem's not fine that everyone's freaking out so it's probably you know true for everyone with the index right now you're like man i didn't even think about you know valve support but i think valve has always had pretty bad support like if you try to contact a real person you almost never can so i think it's it's kind of becoming an issue now that everyone's realizing man this controller thing sucks like i feel bad for all the people with index controllers because that damn controller problem do you think valve like took like when they decided to get into this game where they're going to provide a, like they're it's almost like a console it's almost like they have their own console in a way i mean they're they're making games for it you know mario 64 the controller you know the whole thing right and if you're going to do that you've got to set up like a whole support structure like they either have to hire like an outside company that's going to handle it eventually you know when when index controllers start having little malfunctions or someone has a problem with the speakers or whatever you know and you have to do just standard support type thing every company has a, a percentage of failure that they're just going to have to deal with this is just part of the business do you think Valve? Oh man! Oh, I thought Chris. I thought Chris froze again there for a second. I was like, Oh no! Um, do you think Valve was like prepared for this? Did they account for this? They had to have, right? But maybe they just kind of like underestimated how big a, of a deal it is. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, I think Valve was probably really confident in their engineering and like, man, there's going to be not that many problems because we signed the hell out of this stuff. But you know, somehow this controller thing leaked through, even though they've been developing them for like three years. So I think that's crazy in itself there um but you know it's so complicated compared to their previous products you know making a lighthouse or two or selling like the technology behind lighthouses to companies that's easy even like you know they had a steam link at one point that thing was like super tiny hmds are probably like the most complex thing you can manufacture in like recent history if you're just trying to make like you know technology stuff it has screens like uh, lenses, all this stuff. It's such a big trade-off thing to imagine that Valve just jumps right into that field. I think that's probably going to be too much for them because it's controllers at the same time as an HMD at the same time as 2.0 lighthouses. Like, I, I don't, if I was Valve, I'd be a little freaking out because that's a lot of stuff going do, on. Do you think? Do you think they knew this was a problem? Because it it baffles me how they how this got through, how they couldn't. Because these things must have been used by developers and just behind the scenes QA anyway. And I can't understand how they could have let that go through or they just thought, 
it's not a problem. Most games don't use that functionality anyway, and it's not a problem for VR. So let's go. Let's go with it. Let's, Wait, let's Gary? address the clarity. Hold on. So we have Harris Cedric Twelve in chat, and he is saying or she that the controller is not that bad. It still works in game. It just don't click. Now, my understanding, um, and it's very difficult to uh, you. You can't always because not every game uses the function. But my understanding is that for some people, it's not a, just an issue of it not clicking, but as the input. You know, when you when you're pushing down on the thumbstick, that that input is also not registering in software. Is Do that we know your understanding? That for sure? Yeah. Well, well, you, the way they say you're supposed to try this out is you're not you're not getting a click. But if you go into Steam uh, Home, for example, and then you've got the the controller models in front of you, and then you can see when you move the stick, and you can see in VR when you push it down, and you're supposed to test it using that method. Um, now. I meant to do that before the show and I've not done it. I don't feel any click. I don't see it. You know, maybe, maybe it does respond, but when I've tried it, like Skyrim, for example, what you have a, a sprint functionality in Skyrim and unless, uh, you know, I'm, I'm completely forgetting about this, you push the thumbstick down in order to do that. Um, and I'm not able to do that in Skyrim. I am not able to do that in Skyrim as well. And it, it's almost like the, the click down may register, but it's almost like it then overrides the forward. So I think if you're if you're playing something that is motionless and static and you just click it down like a button, it may or may not register depending on your particular controller. But for Skyrim, I cannot run. It's it's like I'm I'm pushing forward on the thumbstick. My character is moving forward, and when I go to click down, it may register the click. It may register that input of of the push down, but then it overrides the forward, and my character stops moving forward altogether. It just comes to a complete halt. So it's not like he maybe he starts sprinting and then immediately comes to a halt at kind of all in one one motion, and that's the issue. It's not forward and registering down simultaneously. It, at least for me. Yeah, because if it was just a clicking noise, I could see that being an OCD thing for a lot of people. You know, you want it to like it's just an OCD thing. Like if it was working, but it was just you didn't get the click. I still know that that would bother a lot of people, um, me included, probably. But anyways, um, so Gary, like just to kind of wrap it up a little bit as far as the Valve Index from your from your angle here. So is this controller thing, is this the number one Achilles heel for you, or do you also go to the glare as being the bigger deal? Glare is, I'm sort of opposite to Steve, I suppose. Glare is number two for me. The controller issues and the bindings, I think that we will get, that will get better with time. I will say like over the next, hopefully the next few weeks or months, you'll get these binding issues will be resolved. Hopefully they'll have a Steam VR update and that will sort all of these things out. I have bigger issues with the Knuckles controllers anyway, uh, just in terms of how they fit. And um, obviously, you know, the thumbstick issue as well, which is not software based, it's, it's hardware. Um, but overall, I'm really, I'm still really pleased with the index. I still like the headset a lot, and I've been playing a lot of Skyrim this past week. But primarily, it's been Elite Dangerous, and it's been an enjoyable week where I've not felt like the need to play any one game or anything. There's not been a lot that's been released, um, and I've just really dived into the games I want to play in the index, and I've had a great time. The glare is honestly no problem at all in Elite. Steve, do you you've played a little bit of Elite with the index? 
Do you feel like it's... I mean, I've seen glare in a lot of other experiences when I've been using the index, but in the Elite, for some reason, it just doesn't hit me in the same way. So the the glare is, it's not it's not the same glare that that we've had up till this headset. It's it only manifests for me really on the outer edge. So it's not a as simple issue as there being a contrast. Sometimes it manifests when there's not a lot of contrast. Like there could be a full white background and maybe, I don't know, a blue box in the middle or something. You'll get glare. So it's not a black with white lettering or, or, or vice versa contrast. It's it's just different. And I, I guess it has to do with that um, the dual lens refraction and, you know, everything where they where they created the index, uh, where they inspired to name the headset the index. Um, it's probably a downside of that. So, um Yep, it's just it's for me. It's a bigger problem, but uh, I don't have it on Elite. Uh, it's not as bad as the CV1. Uh, the Rift S and the Pimax are probably king when it comes to glare, and and the PlayStation VR. Um, so the Index is better for me than the Vive. It's better for me than the Odyssey. And it's better for me than the CV1. So it's not the worst, uh, but it's just one of those things when you drop a grand. You 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 don't want to be dealing with glare like when there's a three nine nine headset in the in the Rift S out there that doesn't have glare when there's a one nine nine Oculus Go out there that that doesn't have glare it's just kind of weird to drop a grand and to step into the index and 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 have this thing here um, so it's it's not to say that the index is bad it's just it's this weird scenario it would be like buying a Lexus that doesn't come with power windows like it's just weird like it's a weird situation. <laughs> I think that's I think just just to wrap up my thoughts on this. So basically the index is still I I I really do like the headset itself. It's still the the best VR experience I've had so far overall, you know. And I think what Steve was saying there is true. It's difficult when you've got these two products which are so radically different in price and you expect the higher product to be better in every single way and there's certain parts where it's not better than the Rift S and that's the difficulty you have when you've spent this amount of money on on a headset you want it to be better in every single way and it's not but overall for me just to wrap up it's still overall the best headset that that i've used you know chris when we think of valve and we think of how long they take to do things you know and it's valve time and it takes years and years and years right one of the things that pops into my mind is maybe this headset this valve index that we have right now Maybe it was supposed to be a 2018 product, you know, maybe it was supposed to be last year, but they didn't make it last year. I mean, they, they didn't like they weren't done with it and it, it took them an extra year to, to bring it to market. But maybe if this headset came out last year before the Rift S, before all these other things, it would seem even better than it seems right now. And, and because we just got the Rift S and it was like this good low price and it does a lot of things nice. You know, maybe that's part of it. Uh, what do you think about yeah. that? No, definitely. Uh, I mean, you know, you can just tell they've been working on this thing for years when you look at how long the Knuckles controllers are out there for developers. I mean, there are YouTubers making videos on, like, you know, the almost final Knuckles, like, a year ago or something. And, like, it, it seemed like momentum was building for a release, but then, like, it died off. There wasn't too much talk and... And, you know, we, we finally have the index now, but like it, it did all signs I, I thought pointed to them making something earlier or at least even just releasing knuckles earlier. Like 
even two years ago, you know, you would have thought they would release Knuckles. They seem to just be really stubborn on their technology. Like, we need this index controller to be exactly like this, and then we'll just keep slightly revising it over time. And, like, you know, it's never been perfect. Like, no one's ever thought the the Knuckles have been, you know, the best thing ever. They always have little bugs and problems, and then they try to release another one that fixes it. Uh, it just seems like they're so caught up in, like, we need this <laughs> that they they don't like innovate as much i guess it's weird if it was like a year or two ago though that would have been nice because man then we wouldn't have to deal with the vival ones for this long okay so why don't we go ahead and move on a little bit into a slightly different topic here and i thought you know since we're talking about the valve index maybe not being the dream that we all kind of i mean still very good lots of great things about it Probably maybe the best VR experience you can get right now, but not solving every little situation we were hoping for. So I guess that kind of answers the question, do we already have VR 2.0? And I think it's safe to say we probably don't based on everything we've heard just now. Because if it, if we had VR 2.0, it would have been a little bit more positive, I think, over the last half hour or whatever. Um, so we don't have VR 2.0. So now the question is, when are we going to get a legit VR 2.0? And maybe before we can even ask that, we got to know what is a legit VR 2.0. So Gary, I'll throw it over to you first. What do you think, like, like if you, if, if some company hired you and said, Gary, we feel like you've got all the knowledge we need. Tell us, wise man, what do we do? What product do we bring out next year? If we want to have a true VR 2.0 because it's trade-offs, right? I mean, it's all trade-offs. You can't have everything. Like, so you gotta like, where would you make your trade-offs? It's obvious. Valve said, you know what? We'll deal with the glare to get all of these other things, and you know, it's a trade-off. Yeah, the I think just going back to when when we were talking about this briefly before the show, I was saying like going back to 2016 when I first got VR and a lot of people got VR for the first time around sort of March, April 2016 and there were so many things that people were saying that they wanted from VR. It's so easy to see the limitations of these headsets when you first get them and you get in there. You, you, you immediately say, this is great, but I want better resolution. I want a wider field of view. And these are the things, these are really the two things that I remember people saying time after time on the subreddits and just in the communities uh, revolving around these headsets. Um, so now we've got a slightly higher resolution. Now we've got a slightly better field of view. Is it 2.0? And I struggle with this all the time. I struggle with, with when people say, is this Gen 1.5, 1.8, 2.0, 1.9? You know, all of this stuff, it's, it seems like semantics to me. And if we could have a spec sheet where people say, this is what? we agree generation 2.0 should be then then we can all agree on this consensus and that's what a, a headset which abides by these rules of being generation 2.0 needs to needs to have then I'd be okay with that. What I have a problem with at the moment with Generation 2.0 when people speak about it is they speak about it in some ways as being the end goal. It's like this, the Index is a great headset. It's definitely an upgrade on CV1 and, and the Vive. Is it 2.0? Well, 
who knows who can say that really and it all comes down to personal expectations with this um but uh, you know if we can get a consensus on what we all want from a generation 2.0 headset then i'd feel a little bit more comfortable about it i think it's honestly nonsense it's not like 2.0 is the end goal we're going to have 3.0 you know 4.0 onwards and we shouldn't say that this is it's like it's not as simple as consoles. There is so much con- there, there's so much crossover. We have generation one, two, three, four, five consoles, and there was sort of a clear line between those consoles. Whereas with VR headsets, I don't see that line in the same way. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> what about the Oculus Quest though? Do you think that is a 2.0 when it comes to standalone? Like like they've like I know it it still isn't the best thing out there, but it, uh, when I think of 2.0, here's what I think about a 2.0 is like somebody new is like, hey, man, I want to get a VR headset. You know, I've heard about VR, but I've never jumped in. But, you know, I've always been curious about it. And I think I'm ready to get a VR headset right now. And they're like, you know, I'm looking at the original Vive. I'm looking at the Oculus CV1 or, I mean, the the Oculus Rift. And if we had a legitimate VR 2.0, you would tell that person, uh, you know, don't, don't bother with those. We finally got this this particular headset where they've solved a lot of the the biggest issues out there. This is the new standard. So jump onto this one. And I feel like we kind of have that with the Oculus Quest. If you're looking for a standalone, it's like this is a very solid one. They did a lot of great things here. This is a good starting point. Start from this step and then move forward. And in VR, I don't think we have. I We were hoping the Valve Index was going to be that. It kind of seems like it isn't that. Chris, what do you think? Like, if you're thinking of a VR 2.0, what is it for you? Is it resolution, FOV, eye tracking, foveated rendering? Yeah, you know, this is a difficult one because I feel like the needle keeps getting pushed every time a new headset comes out. We're like, eh, this isn't actually 2.0, so now we need this much resolution, this much field of view or something. Yeah, so... Like, I feel like everyone originally was like, man, Index is 2.0, but we all have it now. We're like, eh, it's... It's a little better than 1.0, but it's not like dramatic, dramatically better. Uh, so, you know, for me, it'd have to be like uh, I really want some new features in a headset more than than the resolution or, or field of view. I think field of view might be the biggest one, but I don't need a dramatic or a big like increase in resolution. I think the the Rift S for me, it's like good enough that I can push it. It looks nice. I'm not worried about some super high resolution. I think field of view with that same clarity would be really nice. But maybe more than anything, what might do it is like body tracking or some like you can see your your hands or something. I think, you know, bringing more of your real body into VR could do more than anything that just like a new headset could do. So it might end up being more like technology based. You know, obviously foveated rendering would be good eye tracking. Uh, maybe that variable focal plane so you can focus close up you can you know like actually hold items really close to your face and read them i think maybe those are what would be more 2.0 for me than just these like increments in resolution and everything steve you know when we think to the year 2020 right we're obviously going to get a few vr headsets probably in the year 2020 that are going to launch do you feel like there are some bare minimum standards that companies need to hit with a headset that comes in 2020? Like, should we be beyond a certain, you know, like you're, you're coming out with a new headset. It needs to at least have this and this and this, like, what does it need? 
Ooh, uh, you know, I'm not sure. If you, I think if you listen to a, a lot of people's complaints and the reason they don't want to be in VR, um, I, I say 2.0 for me would be um, it's got to be comfortable. It should have a path towards being wireless. The resolution needs to be, to Chris's point, needs to be good enough. I'm I'm not worried about some number on a on a list, but I don't I don't want to feel like I'm looking at low res when I'm when I'm in there. Like I don't want to be like, oh, this is so low res every time I put it on. So the resolution just needs to be good enough. I'm not going to put a number on that. Um, I think it needs to, um, my big pet peeve, there needs to be content. There needs to be reason that people are going through the friction of coming into VR. And, and, and VR 2.0 needs to move past the, the wave shooter, the teleport, stand in place, it, or, or whatever. It needs, it needs to be compelling to make the investment and to, be, to go through the, the motions of putting something on your face and, 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 and all that. So um, a lot of people in chat have listed 2.0 as needing uh, eye tracking and foveated rendering. I couldn't disagree more. A lot of people talk about foveated rendering and, and I have a lot of VR experience. I have Y fove experience. I have low fove experience. And I am, I, I, I can say with a high degree of confidence right now that foveated rendering is going to be a, is going to be present. There is no foveated rendering that isn't um, a distraction with or without eye tracking. So I, I don't think foveated rendering and eye tracking are going to be problem solvers. I think they're going to like everything that we're seeing in VR, like the index, it's going to be problem shifter. It's going to reduce the, the, the workload of the GPU, but it's going to create another set of issues. Um, and, and that's going to be when, when you experience foveated rendering, you see that contrast. You, see, you, can't, you can't just step down the resolution and, and not see that change in, in your field of view. So um, there will be lots of people that, that try to prioritize. There will be manufacturers that attempt to say, well, we think this is the most important or we think that is the most important. So I don't think there's one agreed list. Uh, I agree with Gary that there isn't a, a clear generational delineation that we can say, okay, well, this is Gen 2. Um, but for me, if, if I try to put it in terms, I will say the most important thing we can do is is – not make people feel any sort of friction. Not, I don't want to feel annoyed. Like if I feel like playing a game, I don't want to feel like, oh, I have to go through that. Uh, for me, a big change would be Steam VR. Like Steam VR is just full of like little quirks and issues. Like I don't want those quirks and issues. I want to have a low resistance path to high quality content. That to me is VR 2.0. I don't know what that looks like, but that's VR 2.0. Yeah, I can tell you like, I need to do this with my bindings. I need to do that with my bindings. <laughs> that is not VR 2.0. Like these are things like I'm not looking forward to this stuff at all. Like I, I like, that's why I love the quest. My Oculus quest is sitting over there and I got to tell you, I walk into this room. My rift is right there. My PlayStation VR is right there. My quest is over there and I'll walk in here and I'll think, okay, I got some time to play VR. I'll look at my rift. I look at my PSVR, I look at my quest, and it's like a subliminal thing, man. I just go to the quest because it's just so easy, you know? And people are like, oh, but the games, the games. Yeah, but it's proven to me that it's not about like the graphics and stuff. 
it, it's a friction thing. And like I, the biggest problem we have is friction. There is something subconscious, subliminal or whatever. You got people that buy brand new VR equipment. They're into it for about a month or a couple of months. It ends up in their closet. They go back to Fortnite and it's, and they can't really pinpoint why it is, but they'll say, well, it's just too much hassle. And then other people, like I'm sure there's someone in chat right now that's saying too much hassle. What are you talking about? I can get in and out of my rift in 20 seconds flat and I'm up and playing a game in 20 seconds. And that's kind of true. You can, if, if you have your headset sitting out on the ground and it's all wired and everything's ready to go, you hit a couple of buttons, bada boom, boom, boom. You're in the game, you're playing it, and it's like, what's the hassle? But there's some kind of there's some kind of thing in the background that makes you think, ah, oh, I don't know. This is kind of like a pain in the neck. Gary, I know you know what I'm talking about here, right? Yeah, no, I, and that's one of the main reasons why I still play the Oculus Quest because I really do love that as a device and going forward. Um, I was almost going to make an argument that it wasn't about content generation 2.0, but what is the point in even fighting the, the tide on that? Because I think it is really when, when, when I really think about it. And if I had, if there was better content on the Oculus Quest to the point where we were getting deeper content, more immersive, not necessarily more immersive, just deeper content. Um, and I'm not even talking about length of game or anything like that, but getting something in on there, then maybe that would be and it's not something i've thought about before the show actually but maybe that could be generation 2.0 standalone no hassle no friction but deep content and that's what's lacking on the oculus quest at the moment for me i yeah, think you know, the uh, biggest thing to come out uh we've talked about it several times but that blog that palmer wrote um i don't know three four five six months ago where he said free isn't cheap enough that has probably been the most resonatingly true perspective that that I can identify in the VR industry, and and a lot of people don't like that 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 blog that he wrote, but but there's so much truth in that. I've personally witnessed it with my with my own eyes. I've seen people say it online. You see it in places like Linus Tech Tips and all those other things, but. When, when, when he says you could give away VR headsets and people would appreciate it, they would like it, they'd think it's cool, they'd think it's awesome, and then two to three months later, it would be in the closet collecting dust. You could give them away. And, and that, is, that is true for a lot of people. And I don't, I don't know, like part of that is content. I always complain and moan about a lack of content. But I feel like people will will put up with some crap for a good experience. Like, hell no, I put up with Steam and, and Pimax and Index to, to get a certain experience. But that that is even wearing thin on me. And and I I more and more with each passing month, I'm finding myself kind of like, oh well, you know, do I really want to go through that? And and I'm I'm a diehard. So what will it take for the average Joe Schmo to um want to go through this and and I, content is, is one of the things but I think it's got to be the right balance between content and the device itself of course and the cost of the device all three of these things kind of have to come together and be the right formula for people to want to put up with it and yeah. um, 
it's it's hard to put into terms. So I I can't say that it's oh the the headset can't cost any more than one ninety nine at Walmart or or you know it has to be three billion pixels resolution. Like like you can't put any terms on that. But there's 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 a a trade a, a balance and um we're we're not there. And surprisingly, I I don't I don't know that that we're taking the steps to get there. It's almost like we're putting energy into the wrong things. Like I see that so much with the knuckles. So like the energy has gone into the wrong thing. Like, why are we worried about individual digit tracking when, when, like we got wave shooter 3000 that's that's released every week. Like the priorities are just wrong. Okay. But if we start talking about games, because like a lot of people in chat were saying, um, earlier, they were saying that 2.0 VR is not about the hardware, that we need the games. We need these deep experiences. We need these experiences that really like enrapture people and you just like fall into it and you just get lost in the experience. And we don't have these. We have a lot of uh, experiences that provide a little bit of interesting things that are going on, but but we don't have this stuff that we can sink our teeth into in a major way. But when we think about that problem, it's the classic chicken and egg kind of a deal because basically all the biggest developers out there, take two electronic arts. You know, there's a lot of developers that haven't touched VR period. Look at a company like electronic arts. They haven't touched it at all. And they seem to have no interest whatsoever in touching it. What, how do we deal like, what do we do with this chicken and egg scenario? Um, Chris, like what, I mean, where do we go with that? Like what's the number one problem that's stopping like electronic arts and some of these uh, bigger publishers that just like, they haven't even touched VR. They're not even thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, that's the impossible problem. I think Oculus is the best bet we have of this, like throwing money at it for now. But you know, if they stop throwing money at things, we're going to have a serious problem. I was thinking about it and like, I think it's content in some ways, but I think maybe even more than that, it's that we don't have a good social platform. We don't have a good way to, to join with our friends. Like it's, it's kind of a mess right now. If I want to play a VR game with somebody, you know, there's some like, you know, maybe when Stormland comes out, that could be like a really fun game to play with some friends who have, have a rift or something. But like right now it's a hassle and there's, there's no like metaverse hub for me to like, to, to meet my friends and join them and it, everything is clunky and separated like the go has its own oculus rooms thing which was pretty neat but it's it's glitchy and it crashed all the time <laughs> and then like quest has like basically nothing a party system at, at best and then you know the the rift has some some fragmented thing too so i think maybe even more than anything that's what is 2.0 to me and that's what will maybe push vr forward like on the Quest subreddit, there's someone working on a prototype where, like, you trace out your house with Guardian, and then, like, it builds walls and, like, builds a level around your house. That might be more immersive and even cooler to me if than, like, you know, some really big, massive game in VR. If I could do local VR with my friends and, like, we all can see each other in the headset, that could be Gen 2. Just based on that, like, if we can go through an experience together in the same room, that could be, like super gen 2 i think i'd love that so maybe it's more about like getting everybody in in it together because i think the friction problem is that you're alone doing it most of the time at least for me like man i don't want to do all this hassle if, if i'm not gonna be spending time with anybody that's like a subconscious thing i think 
Yeah, so I guess everything is all bad, guys, and that's why we're <laughs> quitting. No. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so there's still some good things in VR, right? Okay. Um, what do you guys want to talk about next? Because uh, let's see. I mean, we could talk. I mean, we're kind of in the state of VR, actually. You know, we were kind of started with the 2.0, what is 2.0 VR, and then kind of the state of VR. Um, Steve, where, where do you think we should go now? Well, state of VR is fine. Um, okay. <laughs> so go ahead and lead us into it. Uh, well, I mean, so, I mean, we're kind of already talking about it, but why don't we think about it from a company by company kind of a basis? So Gary, Oculus has done some pretty good things this year. They've got two brand new products that they've been selling. People are pretty, feel pretty good about these products. I mean, the Oculus Quest, if we want to go to a bright, point in the in the uh, VR universe the Oculus Quest is a very bright point despite comfort issues and things like that it pretty much is an incredible product for the money and it t- it d- puts a lot of nice things together Rift S has been pretty good especially now that they got that new update that has improved the tracking in a major way um HTC we're still you know waiting on them Sony you know, Sony's in an interesting situation with PlayStation 5 hovering around the corner. Um, so when you look at the landscape, Gary, of these different companies, I don't know. I mean, where, where do you think these different companies need to go? And, and is there any kind of a dark horse company that could come out of the blue and, and uh, throw their hat in the ring as well? Uh, yeah, I don't know about that last point, Anthony, because you're, you're always the one that, that seems to have some ideas about Samsung. Um, and we've seen the, like the, the, the patents from them as well, where you've got like those curved, uh, display HMDs and that kind of stuff. I would love to, Samsung to, to really enter the race. We've obviously seen their Windows mixed reality headsets and that kind of stuff. But yeah, for them to do their own kind of thing would be great. Um, but overall, I think it's, I'm actually still really positive at the moment, at this moment in 2019 compared to 2016. If I could take myself out of 2016, going back three years and place myself here and just have a little glimpse of the future of what we were experiencing now, I would actually be actually pretty positive, I I think. And that's not to say any one company is doing what I consider to be the right or wrong, wrong thing. These companies, Valve and Oculus, are doing things that are radically different in their approach to getting people into VR. And I love that. I think that's a, a good thing for us as consumers. It gives us options and it also makes us think, you know, rather than just having one or two companies that were all heading in, in the same direction, we've got Oculus that are focused entirely mainstream. They want to get as many people into VR as possible. And if we didn't have that, I think we'd be wondering, what if a company was going to do that? What would the effect be? Well, now we've got that option. We've, we can see what Oculus are doing with Quest and the Rift S in order to make these products affordable and more mainstream than companies like HTC and Valve and all of these options are interesting to look at from the outside view so I'm I'm still overall really optimistic about VR and I'm interested to see where it's going the state uh, the state of VR what is the state of VR well we're still in the early days and it could go continue to grow or it could sort of eventually collapse we don't know I obviously hope it continues to grow Hey, Chris, here's a here's an option, right? We're talking about games. We're talking about headsets. But what about like video? Like what about video? What about sports? Like 
could could it be possible that we eventually come up with some kind of six doth video type of thing? And maybe that is the game changer that blows everything out of the water. And we all of a sudden have millions of people rushing in because they're watching the NBA or they're watching like women's FIFA World Cup games in VR and unlimited camera angles. And like it looks so incredible. I mean, maybe there's something else that come come out of the blue, right? Yeah, I mean, we see that with the Go. Like, you know, there's really no games on that thing, yet people have still been buying it just because they want to watch Netflix and bet or something. And I think, you know, you're right. That paired with social are probably the things that will end up selling VR the most. And it's just weird that they're non-existent, really. Like, there's no real focus on VR video. Like, people keep trying it, but a lot of VR videos awful terrible uh so that's one problem and then the other problem is obviously the the social thing like if i want to watch like a live stream of something with somebody there's really not a good option to do it like, i could use big screen but it's just weird like it's weird that there's not some main focused thing from facebook that's like this is the metaverse so i'm excited for oculus connect 6 because you know there's some hints that they might actually finally be doing something related to that i think that is where the most people will, will get use out of VR in the future. Uh, you know, right now it's definitely game focused. I think it still should be for quite some time, uh, just because you know gamers will actually spend the money on a headset and on games and everything. Whereas that it's a little harder to make money on. I'd imagine having like a f- social app and everything that's probably free or, or you know selling selling data kind of thing. Uh, so it's interesting. I think you're right that some technology could come around and, and change everything. Uh, it seems like everything's pointing towards like better video and better technology, things like that. So we'll probably end up getting there. But yeah, I think you know overall state of VR for me, it's it's definitely early days. I don't think I thought about Quest way back then, and I'm glad that Quest exists. Uh, I think that's probably the the best thing that's came out this year, and that that's happened to to VR in general. Uh, it's sold out everywhere. Like you can't find that thing anywhere. And I've never had that with a VR headset before, really, other than like enthusiasts buying up, you know, the Rift right away or something. Uh, so that's pretty exciting that we're in a, a state where that's happening. And hopefully, you know, it seems like Oculus is doing everything right with Quest to make it successful. So that that makes me happy, and and it's good that there's a range as well. Steve, so here we are. We're three years into this VR game, and. We, we're making improvements. Things are getting better. There, there's millions of VR headsets that are out there now. We've seen the Steam numbers, so things are looking pretty good. My question for you, though, is are we past the point of VR just being a complete and utter failure? Like, are we beyond that? Or is that still a possible future? And I would relate it a little bit to like 3D TVs and stuff. Like if we think of 3D TVs now and like using glasses at home to watch like a 3D movie, like nobody really cares about that. Let's be real about it. It kind of died and people laugh about it now and they're like, yeah, remember that 3D TV thing? That was kind of funny. Um, Do you think there's a possibility that VR could end up in that situation or or have we passed beyond that and it'll never like super die off? It's hard to answer because I think I'm too close to it. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like VR um, can can have the same fate that 3D TV has. I'm not close to 3D TV. Like my projector does 3D. I don't know where my glasses are. It's been years since I've watched anything 3D TV. When I go to the movie theater, I don't like doing 3D TV. So I'm not close to 3D. Um, 
I'm close to VR. So to me, like it's, it's, it's part of my news cycle. You know, I, 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 uh, when I'm sitting at lunch or on an airplane or whatever, like, and I'm reading news, like it's, it's a lot of it's VR centric. So to me, it doesn't feel like, uh, it can fail like 3d TV, but I think if you were to stand out at a, um, at a best buy and just ask everybody that walked out the door, I think more people would probably say it's like 3d TV. Now, I think there's tremendously more upside with VR than 3D TV. Um, I think it has fantastic upside for gaming and content consumption. Um, I think I think we know what we need to do with video. We just need more resolution. Like like instead of things being in 4K, like things just need to be in like 16K. Like if you were viewing a 16K, 180 degree stereoscopic video, it wouldn't look bad. Um, but we just don't have that yet um, outside of the super expensive, you know, $200,000 rigs, LIDAR and all that. So um, I think video is solvable. But as a whole, VR is very interesting because I can't think of another technology that seems so obvious in my lifetime. Like um, if, we, if we jump back to like 1998 and uh, I was working at a high-end stereo shop. We did car audio. We did home theaters. We did all that jazz. And we got this Kenwood car player that had a hard drive that you docked in, and you could put like a thousand MP3s on it. And like like that, that was so obvious that that was the future for me. And like, and there was old guys, at, you know old to me at the time guys said no no people people will want to look at cd album art like that this will never be the future and i'm standing there, i'm like you're nuts dude people don't give a shit about the <laughs> album art if they can carry 2000 songs with them so like like i've been i feel like i've been mostly right in identifying technology that had like that was going to become i don't know necessarily standard but have so much value that it, it couldn't fail completely and that's the way I was with, with with VR. Like I feel like it can't fail. It's got so much upside, but the damn industry and the market is is almost like it's like you're doing everything counter to that. Like I get where Oculus's mindset is with the Quest. Like like I don't necessarily agree with everything they're doing, but I at least understand when when I look at Valve and the Index and the Knuckles, and more importantly when I look at game developers. And and, and we the consumer impart to to this problem, but. I've always I've said for at least I don't know two years that I think if we have games that double dip like Resident Evil Seven did, like Elite Dangerous does, like Skyrim and Fallout have done, if 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 games double dip like No Man's Sky is going to do, that will be how we move it forward. There will be enough of us that keep having an interest in VR and we keep choosing to play Resident Evil 8 in VR. And we keep choosing to play uh, the next big update to Elite Dangerous in VR. That that will slowly lift. I think you say on your show, rising tides lift all ships or whatever. Like that is how we do it. But we have so many VR consumers that are like, no, I want, you know, I, I we can't have these patch games. We need native made for VR games. And they just don't understand that the economics aren't there. That's not going to happen. Bethesda is not going to say, hey, the next Fallout is, is exclusively VR. Like, no, it's not happening. So um, I think we as consumers are culpable and we need to uh, be willing to embrace economic efficiencies that make this more palatable from a business perspective. Perspective, um, and 
maybe VR won't go the way of the 3D TV. But sitting here, I don't feel like that's the case, but I'm too close to it. I'm not sure that it won't. You know, after that diatribe that you just broke down there, I'm kind of thinking, no, it was great. It was good. And and I'm kind of thinking like that summed it up for me. And I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe VR is exactly where it should be. Like this is exactly where it should be right now. Maybe everything is unraveling exactly the way it should be. And these are these growing pains. Now we're living in the middle of it. And we can't wait to play Grand Theft Auto Five in VR, and and you know we want these things now, but maybe in due time, like everything is unraveling, and it's just because we're here and we're in the thick of it. Where ten years from now we look back and and we're like, you know, yeah, everything unraveled just the way it was supposed to unravel. You go back to the days of Atari. ColecoVision, Intellivision, those were slow goes, man. It was a slow burn. They didn't instantly get to Nintendo Entertainment System and Genesis and all of that. Um, Gary, any any other thoughts that you have on the overall state of VR? What about like, I mean, something I could throw out there would be, do you think maybe Sony could be the company that that takes us to that next level or something? I mean, who knows? Like, like with PlayStation 5 and, and PlayStation VR 2, because when, I mean, you look at Blood and Truth, a game we've recently played, and it shows me again that it it comes back to the talent. You know, it's the talent of the developers, and Sony seems to have a bit of better talent under their umbrella. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think um, it can go to show the the differences and experiences that you can have from a three year old headset just uh, going from twenty sixteen to now, and all the differences that we had in the experiences at the beginning, uh, which was very much indie focused. And as much as I love a lot of the games that came out in twenty sixteen and were very much indie focused, it, it goes to show the amount of difference that having some kind of financial uh, support behind you in order to create these games and get the motion capture and how much immersive that can be by having these these uh, NPCs that are motion captured and they look more realistic that can make a huge difference for immersion and VR in general um, so yes, yeah, Sony are probably a good bet in, in order to push VR and I one encouraging thing I, I'd like to say just to, to finish up my thoughts on this is that Sony do still seem to be very much focused on VR. It's not like they're going away. It feels like they are going to support it on PS5 initially, the, the, the original model, and then hopefully come out with a version 2 of the PSVR, which I hope will be inside out tracking far less friction um whether they can do a wireless thing with that or not is yet to be seen you know there's costs that go into that so may- maybe not but but you know I-, I i hope that they continue with it and it's being one of the best hopes for having developers under their wing that they can support financially and give us these experiences that we all want um i I mean one of the main things that we've said over the past three or well couple of years really of of playing with psvr is what if this was on pc and you had better tracked controllers and just a better overall experience i'm hoping they bring that with uh, the next generation of uh, psvr Absolutely. Um, Chris, so this uh, this is a final little th- question I'll throw out there, and then we'll get into like what we might be doing over our, our break in terms of games we might play and stuff like that. Um, so, Chris, the final question on the state of VR thing is, 
what about artificial intelligence? Because like you look at Facebook's avatars, right? You know, they recently had a video come out and this avatar technology is starting to look better and better and better. And eventually they're going to get that into some kind of ecosystem where we're all going to have that. And you might have a cousin that lives in Japan and you could be in a, a room with them and you see his facial expressions. And it's like you're having a real life conversation right there and, and physically occupying the same space and maybe experiencing some kind of 360 video all while it's happening. Some really cool things. And then also AI, like think about VR might be able to take advantage of AI more than any other medium from the standpoint of we've been in VR experiences where there's somebody standing there, they're looking at you, they're talking to you and cause they know where your eyes are and that's very powerful. And then what if we add a legit AI on top of that? So isn't the future pretty bright from that standpoint? Oh yeah. Like I don't think anyone thinks about too much and that's not even like a game developer thing. You know, game developers don't really care about AI. They don't focus on it too much. That's going to be like some Facebook backed research stuff that's going to come out and they're just going to be like, here, it's free. Like, you know, put it in your, in your game. Like, you know, they have the lip sync uh, SDK right now and that's pretty impressive. Like, I, I don't know if, anyone's like looked at if you go on your quest and like you go to your avatar and you talk like your your lips look pretty realistic so that's just like you know a very baby step into what we could see i think you know just adding more cameras on the headset having the cameras do things other than tracking maybe starting to look at the body and everything uh using some some ai and machine learning to improve models on those kind of things like we could have some pretty accurate you know, models of just looking at our, our arms, which could even be really impressive, even with maybe like Rift S cameras or something like these are all possible things. I think, you know, there's a lot on the software side that is yet to be discovered. And that's probably why all the you know headset makers have cameras on their headsets for like inside out tracking or just like, you know, just to, to show the outside world. There's a bunch you can do with that stuff. So, you know, I think that's a good point you brought up there. It'll be interesting to see what happens like you know if rift 3 comes with two down facing cameras that like look at your mouth or something like uh, i'm sure that'll happen and it'll be really neat yeah or like cameras inside the headset analyzing your uh tiny little twitches in your facial muscles and all those sorts of things um okay so why don't we go ahead and move on to another quick topic here and what we wanted to talk about real quick is kind of like what we're going to do over these couple of months that we're going to have uh, before we get to our next episode. Just a reminder, we are going to have at least one more episode of VR Roundtable. That will either be very late September, maybe early October. And, and so we're going to take a little bit of time off and we'll see what happens at that point. Um, Steve, so now that you're going to have a little bit of time off here, are you going to, is there some specific games you want to go back into and just kind of like, marinate in the game are you going to try to hit up a bunch of different games is there some uh, little project you're going to have going on in the background i mean i don't know what's what's going to happen over the next couple of months well for me um i am going to focus on probably elite dangerous skyrim vr no man's sky um i'm gonna i'm gonna stay on the big hitters if during this time stormland and uh asgard's wrath come out you know those i'm gonna be going for those as well um but i'm also um and no one get out the pitchforks but um i am gonna play some flat games that um i've been so stubborn and like oh i don't play flat um i've missed out on the witcher i've missed out on god of war 
Um, I've missed out on some games. Gary, I think you're the only one of us that have sort of somewhat played a little bit of flat. Uh, maybe it was just No Man's Sky over a these little, last little couple bit. Of years. No, I, pl- I played, yeah, I played The Witcher as well. I love The Witcher, but yeah. Um, so I'm going to do that. And um, we'll, you know, I got some house project stuff to work on, but but it's going to be nice. I'm going to be, um, you know, I, I, I don't have to report on any news. I don't have to play any specific game. I'll play what I feel like. Um, and, and, and I think I'm going to enjoy that. Uh, last year, um, in July, we took all of July off. And um, that month, that's what I did. I, I can't remember exactly what I played. Maybe it was Hellblade or something. But but I just took it and, you know, I was able to do what I wanted to do. Um, so. All righty. Um, Gary, what about you? Uh, what do you think you'll be doing over the next couple months? It might sound a, a little bit boring now because Steve's pretty much hit all the ones that I wanted to hit on anyway. So, yeah, this, this past week I've been playing a lot of Elite and Skyrim, and I'll, I'll continue with that. Uh, Fallout 4, I think Steve's finished Fallout 4, so that's probably why that's not, not on his list. Um, but, yeah, of course, No Man's Sky. I, I would also love to get back into uh, Wipeout on PSVR because I've not played anywhere close to the amount that I want to play of that game. I think it's great. Um, and I also want to finish Resident Evil 7 as well. Um, but on the, uh, like on flat games and stuff like that, I, I'm not, there's not a lot that's pushing my buttons at the moment from what I've seen in flat games. And I'm really not going to be playing too many of them. I want, if I get any spare time, I want to focus more or less on VR. The only flat game that I'm going to play is, uh, The Last of Us 2, which is obviously next year now anyway. So that won't interfere with our hiatus. Um, just, just quickly before I pass, pass it on to somebody else. Um, so I, I want to hit a few more Oculus Quest titles. I want to finish Journey of the Gods as well. Um, but also go back using the index is often we do when we get these new headsets is just to go back and try these older games from 2016 fantastic contraption spend just a few minutes on all all of these older games as well that's something i'd like to do as well all righty and chris um you're going to be making the next great vr game right with your time off <laughs> yeah yeah we're still working on our snowball game it's crazy you know so i'll just keep working on that every week and and hopefully i'll have something to share when we come back on from the hiatus <laughs> regarding that, uh, that would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of work on that. Like you guys said, just, I want to go back to some older games. I still haven't finished Lone Echo and like really want to finish that game. You know, uh, I really want to finish uh, Journey of the Gods and, you know, maybe even I haven't started Shadow Point um, either. So like there's a lot of good quest titles that I just haven't had the time to play because uh, I've been playing whatever we want to play for the show. So it'll be really good to, start focusing on some of that and just having fun with that um yeah i mean you guys covered everything pretty much you know i'll still be developing for vr so i'll have to keep up with all the news and stuff uh but yeah overall just you know taking some time off and enjoying some games that i haven't played uh, for a while so okay and i can say that i'll just continue doing all the crap that i'm already doing right now which is just basically you know the vr 365 thing and you know actually speaking of that one nice bonus i hope to do in uh some of the coming weeks here is actually have like gary and steve and chris on but like as an individual guest on the show where I can spend basically like almost two hours, you know, just going over their past history as gamers and and kind of examining all these deeper VR 
issues in depth and it's you know the origin story i haven't really done that with gary and and steve did a little bit with chris but we could definitely have chris back on again as well and then i'm looking at like upcoming games i mean obviously this summer you know no man's sky is still out there boneworks i don't know i was hoping it would be around the valve index now it's probably a fourth quarter game now um population one you know that thing is still floating around out there Espire one is coming in august which that looks beautiful uh defector is like days away that's next week right is that next tuesday or when's the 11th? I don't know when the 11th is, but that's coming real soon. Uh, Borderlands might come to uh, the PC platforms very soon. Dirt Rally 2.0, remember Codemasters is working on that. Vanishing Realms, there's supposed to be some major update that's coming anytime. Um, other stuff like, uh, I'm scrolling through here, Wolfenstein Cyber Pilot, you know, that is coming on July 26th. We're now in July. So this month, Wolfenstein Cyber Pilot, and there's a lot of other, you know, Until You Fall by Shell Games, Pistol Whip, Budget Cuts 2, The Rig, uh, Node, Battle Wake is coming this summer, that pirate game. So, I mean, there are, there's tons of games that are going to be sprinkling out, maybe not huge monster Grand Theft Auto 5 type games, but still a lot of good stuff. So, um, it's going to be fun this summer. Absolutely. And I got a million games on my backlog list. When I do get my valve index, I do want to check out like that's, that's actually a good question for like Steve and Gary. Have you found any game, an old game that runs just flawlessly at 144 Hertz? Like just a, a last question for both of you guys, as far as valve index and the refresh rates, like has any of that paid any dividends have you played two hours in it in something where you noticed oh I'm, i have no fatigue for some reason um uh, just last thoughts about that i have i've spent some time at 144 i prefer to put my gpu energy towards super sampling more than refresh rate but uh, a game like space pirate trainer like there's certain games where you feel the 144 more than others um, and Space Pirate Trainer is one that you feel it very, very well. Um, and Space Pirate Trainer is also um, an efficient enough game uh, on my 2080 Ti that I can do high super sampling and 144 hertz uh, with that game. So um, yeah, like you, you'll have to experiment with it. Um, but but yes, there are some games that do benefit from 144, but it's not an across the board. Uh, and, um, also like, this is going to be interesting. Like I'm, I'm definitely going to listen during the hiatus to, to your show because I want to see what it's like when you get one. Um, hopefully this doesn't come off the wrong way, but, but I think you prefer to not fiddle with things. Like you don't want to be tweaking settings and you don't want to be going into all this stuff. And, um, the index is going to be interesting on how you like it in that regard, because I have a hard time seeing that, you can maximize the use of the index with a one size fits all like setting. Like, so you're going to have to manage that some. And I, I, your perspective, I wish you would have gotten yours in time here uh, before we go on our hiatus to have it here on the show. But your perspective is going to be completely different than mine because I don't mind to tweak. Like I, yeah, I'm annoyed by it sometimes, but in general, like I will tweak if that gives me the highest fidelity. But, and, and I, I don't think you care in that same way. Yeah. Just, on, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
On my point of view with, with that, uh, the point that you made there, Anthony, so 144, I can run, so I'm, I'm super sampling on the index at around 1.2 now and I can get 144 hertz in Space Pirate Trainer solid and that's pretty much the only one that I've tried that has been absolutely solid. There's never been any drop frames or anything like that in that game and I, I really do enjoy that. Um, just on your... A comment about sort of the, the the comfort factor of spending a long time in VR with with the headset. I spent yesterday. I spent over three hours in the Elite Dangerous, um, and I did take the headset off only very briefly during those three hours, um, and I didn't have too many issues. I did feel it towards the end, um, but some people do have comfort issues, and I think Flute Roger he has a, a few comfort issues from what I've, I've spoke to him about it with the index as well um which i can understand it's not like again it's not a one size fits all or anything like that and everybody's going to have a different uh, impression with the index um but i yeah i think um overall I'm, I'm really pleased with it and the high refresh rate see unlike steve i'm sort of got edging more on i want to experience those refresh rates and i like having it set on the 120 and just seeing those things rather than having the higher super sampling and maybe i'll change my mind i, I want to go back and forth on that and see really what hits me more uh, with those options really Alrighty. Well, I guess that's pretty much it for our show today. Um, so we are going to take this little extended break. So any little last uh, comments that we need to make before we bounce out of here? I, was I wanted gonna... to go ahead, Chris. Okay. I was going to say thank you guys uh, for, you know, inviting me on the show way back when and uh, having me as a full-time member. That was really cool. I remember that was like a few years ago now, but uh, it was really fun to be on the podcast, you know, and uh, start podcasting for the first time with you guys. So thank you for trusting in me. <laughs> oh, boy. You're going to make me – it's going gonna, gonna to make a sad tone there. Chris, I still I think of you as the new guy, even though you came in like on episode 25 or, yeah. or something around there. So you've like been here for more than 100 episodes, but you're I still know. the new guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I, I don't have any passing comment um, that that's kind of has a breath of finality because we are going to be back. Yeah. Um, it, it, like I, I can't stress enough that there is at least one more show. Um, m maybe more after that. Maybe more after that with different people. Um, we still have to develop that. It's not like we're keeping a a we know what's going to happen and we're just keeping it a secret like like a like a developer keeping a release date on Asgard's Wrath secret. No, we we don't know yet what's going to happen ourselves. Um, but there there will no question be one more show, um, at least if not more. Uh, but I wanted to add the um, since I am going to be experimenting more with some flat games and and, and whatever, um, I want people. I have a few of of the regulars in chat uh, on my Steam friends list, but I want more people. So send me a friends invite. Um, my user is Scuba Steve two three six five. I'll also put it up in chat. But I kind of want to track. Uh, I don't. I don't anticipate that I'm going to not be paying attention to the VR news cycle, but um, I want to see what everybody else is playing. I want to, you know, kind of kind of keep a track there so it'll help me keep a pulse on um, not just a generic community but the community that i know that has been interested in this show which then tells me that there's some sort of of overlap and interest in the things that you're looking for out of vr and everything so make sure you send me a friend invite on steam scuba steve 2365 um, yeah, so so just for me as well, yeah, it's, uh, we will be back. So this is not the final episode. We can save if we do have a final episode. Um, 
then we can save everything that we want to save for, save for that, really. Um, but we are going to have at least one more, and then we'll decide what happens beyond that. So um, I just want to say, really, thank you to everybody for joining us in chat through all these years and uh, supporting the show, because we appreciate all the Super Chats. We, we, we've not had Super Chat for the past couple of weeks for obvious reasons. We're not going on for a while now, so uh, it didn't seem fair to, to have that in there. Um, but the, the support we get, both just in general, in the chat but also the super chats um is really really appreciated it helps us keep going helps us to keep us motivated as well and um also yeah of course you know it's been great these past three years interacting with steve chris and anthony on on the show and i'll leave it there because you know there's no need to be as final as that with this episode but uh, yeah we'll, we'll see you in a few months anyway Okay, that'll basically do it then for this was episode 129, I believe, of VR Roundtable. And we will see you guys on episode 130 coming a little bit later this year. All right, everybody have a good one. <laughs>